Thank you, Heather. Thank you for the, uh, the crisp and clear announcements. I've heard them twice today, so they're actually quite good. They were just as fun the second time. Um, we are in a series of sermons uh, on the parables, if you remember. And Pastor Dory last week painted a picture for us of the kingdom where we discovered that God loves prodigals. And I don't know if that warmed your heart. It warmed my heart uh, significantly. In fact, God not only loves prodigals, but God is a prodigal of sorts. The picture of God is like a father who recklessly and extravagantly loves us and is looking for every opportunity to throw us a party and to especially celebrate those who are lost who are now found. That, that was the picture that we got from last week's uh, parable. Today, we're going to look at another parable from, uh, uh, from Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, and it is uh, categorized as a parable of judgment, which, just as you might think, is a little tougher, a little harder to swallow, but nevertheless is another way that Jesus is trying to uh, fill in a picture for us what life in the kingdom actually looks like. To be precise, this parable of judgment is really a parable about faith in action. At the time of God's divine judgment, we may be surprised to discover that the criteria that God has established for determining who gets an invitation to God's banquet and who doesn't is different than what we may think. So let's take a look at this scripture together uh, briefly before um, I make a couple comments about that. So this would be Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for me, uh, for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and imprisoned, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or, or sick or in prison and did not help you? 
He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. When Jesus finally occupies his rightful place on his heavenly throne, with angels flanking him on both sides as far as the eye can see, he will bring uh, he will begin, I should say, to sort through those who stand before him. Just, just like a shepherd sort of sorts out the sheep and the goats and places them in their respective uh, pens at the end of a long day. The imagery here is fanciful. It is, uh, it's magnificent. It speaks of a time when our Lord Jesus is on his throne and he's ruling over the earth. And this parable illustrates, I think, sort of the anticipation that the early church had that someday Jesus will return and actually take care of his unfinished business. Now, Christians have earnestly believed that the day of judgment will one day arrive. And when it does, those who are faithful will get an invitation to God's party, while those who have not been faithful will be left off the invitation list. As the guests of this great banquet file into the room, Jesus will say to the sheep, which, by the way, obviously includes you and me, right? Welcome to the party. Come on in. Sit down. I've been waiting for you. I've been planning for you. There's a, your name is at a spot at the table. And here's the twist that those hearing this parable weren't expecting. It's our faith in action that will determine whether we get an invitation to this party. It's nothing else, according to Jesus in this parable. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was homeless, and you, and you gave me a room. I was cold, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. You see, this is, this is not the list of requirements the disciples expected to hear. They thought Jesus was going to make his decision based on whether they were kind or, or, or generous or, or, or even pious. Or perhaps they thought that their invitation to the banquet would be based on whether they had all of their doctrine right, that they believed the right things. Or maybe on the basis of how they, they lived their life of, of faith in their family or at their church not on the basis of how they live their life of faith in the world. So this is a, a surprising invitation that Jesus is offering uh, to his disciples. And those who Jesus welcomes into his kingdom will say, Jesus, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or, or thirsty? When did we give you something to drink or food to eat? Where, when did we see you sick or in prison or come visit you? The sheep are invited to the party, and they are surprised to be there. So surprised, in fact, that they can't even believe their ears. So they, they reply, we never did these things about which you speak. And Jesus says, but oh, you did. Every time you made a place at your table, every time you did something for one of those who are overlooked or ignored, Every time you made a place in your heart for the one who had no safety net, that was me that you were making a place for. 
The sheep may have done all of these things, but it had become second nature to them. They didn't recognize that they had been doing what God had asked them to do all along. Their faith in action was a natural part of their life to the degree that they had no idea it would result in Jesus' praise at the end of time. Jesus is, is giving us a picture of what the kingdom looks like. And then Jesus turns to the goats and says, Get out, you worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And the reason? Well, you know. When I was hungry, you didn't make room at your table. When I was thirsty, you didn't offer me anything to drink. When I was homeless, you, you didn't have room for just one more. When I was cold, you didn't offer me your jacket. When I was sick and in prison, you didn't have time to visit. You see, the goats are just as surprised by, as the sheep were to discover that they didn't receive an invitation to this great banquet table. I was uh, speaking with somebody earlier today on the way uh, to our outdoor service when it was, by the way, 43 degrees when we started that service. Wow. And I said, hey, I'm preaching on the sheep and the goats today. And she said, oh, yeah, that's good. I, that's right. We're in the parables. Yeah. I said, so what are you? Are you a sheep or a goat? She thought about it for a second. And she said, I'm not sure. And she's Right. According to this parable, both the sheep were surprised to discover that they had, they had lived their life in such a way that they were invited to God's table, and the goats were surprised when they discovered that they hadn't. So just like the sheep, Jesus reiterates the criteria that will ultimately determine whether we are invited to this great banquet, and he says, whenever you fail to do these things for someone who is lost and lonely and left behind, you did it to me. There's a sense in which being a disciple of Jesus, even in the midst of COVID, is an opportunity for us to sort of hone our discipleship by looking not so much at ourselves and not so much as what goes inside our church building, which uh, lately has not been much, but it gives us an opportunity to look out beyond ourselves onto the horizon and begin to notice the needs of those around us. In a sense, you and I get to become the, the hands and feet of Jesus. And in some way, this parable is saying, that's enough. I have a friend, he's a hospital chaplain, and he, uh, he works at a hospital in a different state, and he does the night shift, and he always sends me all these clever texts all the time. And uh, he typically works on a Sunday night, overnight. And he'll, um, he'll text me sometime this afternoon, probably when I'm watching a football game. It was going to be the Chiefs against the, uh, the New England Patriots, but apparently that's been canceled, which is okay because that gives the Chiefs another week to figure out how to beat the Patriots. I had to get that in there. I'm sorry. Yeah, right now, you're, you're kind of thinking that I'm a goat, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. I thought so. Anyway, my friend, the chaplain, he will send me a text sometime this afternoon. I, I can guarantee it. And he'll, it'll, just, it'll simply say this, feet of Jesus. And I know what he means because he's spending 
eight hours, no, 12 hours actually, overnight in a hospital doing exactly what Jesus suggests those who follow him do. This, this story about the sheep and the goats is really a story of judgment. It's, it's, like a, it's like a small stone that's found its way into our shoe. And with every step we take, we can feel the discomfort of that stone pressing against our tender flesh. You know what I'm talking about, right? And if this stone could speak, it would be asking us, every time we press down on it, it would be asking us, is there room at your table for one more? This story about sheep and goats is not really about being sheep or goats. It's a story about the character of a life of a disciple who understands that, that our criteria for who's included in God's kingdom doesn't mean a hill of beans if we leave out uh, our attentiveness to the lost and the least and the lonely. Now, I don't mean to suggest to you that personal piety and prayer and heart transformation are not important. But in this parable, those are not the focus. The focus is what does the person whose life has been transformed do? How do they live? How do they put their faith in action with people who are in need? The story of judgment is meant to remind us that Christian life has, has, has nothing to do with the political party that you support. It is not about your appearance of being a good person or whether you have a perfect attendance pin from Sunday school. And earlier when I made that comment about the perfect attendance pin and said, does anybody remember this? And most of the people you know, shook their heads and said no. And I, I think that that is uh, something that they did a long time ago. And I did actually have one woman who, who uh, is a little, was elderly come up to me and she goes, I had a perfect attendance pin in Sunday school. And so any, anyway, for those of you who don't know what that is, feel free to ask one of us that's over uh, 55 and we, we can tell you. The parable of the sheep and goats is a reminder that God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, our actions are more important than our intentions. What we say we believe is meaningless if we don't back that up with how we live. In fact, how we live is actually one of the ways in which we reflect what we believe. Now, it would have been easy for me to um, gently remove this irritating stone from this story so that none of us would have to deal with the discomfort of this parable. And I admit that it's, it can be a little uncomfortable. None of us uh, would have to deal w with uh, the hardness of this and wonder to ourselves, am I a sheep or am I a goat? I, I, I could have tilted this sermon in a direction that we wouldn't have had to do that. And, and I must confess that I was tempted to leave this story aside and select some other parable that would leave us more thankful and, and fill our hearts with joy like the parable of the prodigal did last week with this prodigal God who wants to embrace us and invite us into, into the party. But I didn't do that. Did you notice that? I didn't do it. And I'll tell you why I didn't remove this discomforting stack this discomforting text from our, 
our shoe today. I have let this story of reversal and surprise and judgment and generosity stand where it does because I believe that for most of us, we spend way too much time calculating whether we get a ticket to the party and not nearly enough time letting our faith transform the way we live in the world of need. A woman came up to me after the last service and she had tears in her eyes and she said, uh, Pastor Brad, um, I know the person that God is calling me to uh, invite to my table. Thank you. This is a parable about making room at our tables, both literally and figuratively. Uh, the challenges that we all face in this time of COVID is how do we live our lives as followers of Jesus in such a way that the blessings that we have received from God spill over into the lives of others? That's the challenge. For the least, for the lost, for the lonely, COVID has only exacerbated the inequalities that have existed in our culture for a long time. There's nothing new under the sun. We just see, that, see it now. The first truth toward which I, I believe this parable is pointing us this morning is that there will be a time when we all hope we will receive an invitation to God's banquet. And as far as this parable is concerned, the reason we get invited to God's banquet is because we've made room at our own tables. And the second truth to which this parable points is the disciple who understands that their life of faith is a way of living naturally and their life of faith is a way that notices the least and the lost and the lonely. A disciple of Jesus is always prepared to ask, is there room for one more at our table? And in the end, we may be surprised to discover that the very one whom we've, been, uh, we've invited to our table is Jesus himself. In a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, and we will gather around tables, sort of literally, perhaps, if you're sitting at home uh, today or in the sanctuary, we'll do it figuratively. Um, and we're going to uh, receive the gifts of the bread and the cup. We are invited to this table because God is a gracious host, not because we are worthy guests. We are invited to this table of the Lord not because we've got life figured out, not because we know everything there is to know about, the, about God and God's kingdom, but because we sometimes are hanging on for dear life, looking for a break, hoping that God will not let us go. And there may be a few of us uh, in the room here today that feels exactly like that. So whether we gather at our own table in our homes or we gather on the lawn as we did earlier today or we, or we gather here to receive the good gifts of God in this sanctuary, let us receive these gifts of sacrifice and hope with gratitude to God that none of us, none of us actually get what we deserve. And let our participation in the Lord's Supper Compel us, 
compel us to live lives of faith and faithfulness that look out for the lost and the least and the lonely. Let's pray together. May these words of this uh, difficult parable penetrate uh, past our ears and deeply into our hearts so that perhaps today or tomorrow or this week, God, as you present those around us who have need in one way, shape, or form, that for a moment uh, their need captures our attention. And once, they've, and once they've got our attention, I pray that you will enable us to, uh, to expand the compassion of our hearts so that we can make room at our table even for them. There may be some people here in this room and online right now, God, who feel like they're the lost and the least and the left out. And there are times in my life when I've felt that way. And I pray that they have a, a, an abiding sense that you, as the one who invites us to the table, are inviting them, even now. Yes. I'm looking forward to that invitation list uh, in the end of time. Because I have a hunch, God, that there's going to be some people on that list that will surprise me. God, as we partake in these elements in just a moment, I pray that you will use these, uh, these gifts to not only bless us in this moment, but to enable us to be a blessing to others. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.